Hello and welcome. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, actress, author, and star of The Fog, Two Evil Eyes, and Alice Jacobs is Dead. And this is She Kills, a Shudder original podcast where we sit down and discuss all of the things we love about the genre that has given women some of the most iconic roles in film history. Rape revenge is, for good reason, one of the most controversial subgenres within horror. Classic films like I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left have been dissected at length, and in some countries banned for continuing to perpetuate the idea that brutal sexual assault and victimization should be exploited for entertainment. I'm not very good at playing a victim, perhaps because I don't like portraying them. I certainly wouldn't want to be thought of as one. What I love most about recent movies like Revenge and The Woman is that they've found a way to create powerful female characters within the genre. For this delicate conversation, we asked writer, director, and actress Pollyanna McIntosh, star of The Woman and Walking Dead, to join filmmaker and author Stacey Lane Wilson for a conversation about responsible feminist filmmaking and the future of the subgenre. Hi, my name is Pollyanna McIntosh. I'm a writer, director, actor, probably best known for The Woman. Um, and I just wrote and directed the sequel to that called Darlin', which is coming out next year. And then there's playing Jada slash Anne on The Walking Dead, which is another thing that people probably know me from. But I like to be known as a kind person. That's what I like to be known as. <laughs> I'm Stacey Lane Wilson, and I am a writer-director, and I have a film out right now called Fetish Factory that I wrote and directed, and it's about burlesque girls versus bloodthirsty zombies in a post-apocalyptic Hollywood. So I think that kind of says it all about me. We asked Pollyanna about her film, The Woman, and if she considers it to be one of the rape-revenge films that an audience would find hard to watch. Yes, you know. it is. Yeah. Uh, well, it is and it isn't. I mean, I find the story so involving and I find the characters so well developed um, that for me it's an easy watch. And I'm honestly somebody who, who does get quite skittish with horror. I'm not good with, with certain kinds of violence and, and I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. Um, so, yeah, for me it's not a hard watch because it's so involving, but there is brutality in it and it is uh, a heavy subject matter. So, yeah, it can be a bit tricky. For um, people, And what drew me to the project was that I played the woman in a film called Offspring, which was based on a Jack Ketchum novel. Um, we all know him as Dallas, um, and he passed away just recently. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, so, so Jack Ketchum's novel, Offspring, was the way that the first film came to me. And I loved the book, and I was fascinated by the character, and I was really into doing the film. And then when we were doing the film, they decided not to keep, not to kill me, basically. Um, and to keep the character of the woman alive and to do a franchise with it. Uh, so then Lucky McKee was going to co-write with Jack Ketchum on the sequel and uh, Lucky was directing and I just looked into his work and thought it was brilliant and um, knew that they'd come up with something fantastic and was really excited to carry on the character. And it is interesting for this conversation because obviously there is, mm -hmm. you know, a, a rape scene in there. Um, but I think how it was received, I get so much love still from, from fans of that film, uh, from women especially. And um, there was a bit of controversy because at Sundance there was a guy who protested the movie at the first screening, uh, which was, you know, 
horrific at the time, but then in the end it went viral and it really kind of helped our cause of people seeing the film. But I think in part it also meant people thought that it really was a, a misogynistic or a sort of, um, you know, torture porn kind of movie and it's not at all. There were a lot of critics that were really kind to us and really got the movie, so I didn't feel that effect too strongly, but I do remember hearing from someone this opinion that it was a... Uh, a misogynistic film and I said where did you get that idea and they said oh I was on a feminist website reading a, a review on it and I said is that the feminist website that sent a male writer to the film who left after 20 minutes of it uh, oh. because in that case you better just watch the movie right and I can tell you it's not anti-women at all they also discussed what comes to mind when we say revenge horror well, uh, one of the f uh, first ones, I think, the sort of um, Last House on the Left, 1972, which uh -huh. is based on the um, Bergman film, Virgin Spring. Um, that one was really one of the more brutal, really hardcore, and it was Wes Craven's first film, actually. But in that case, the woman who was raped and killed, her family went out and got revenge. So a lot of times the earlier films are not the woman herself getting revenge. It's more the family or her husband or her boyfriend going out after the the bad guys. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think still in many cases it is as well. first film that comes up is Besmois, which is a French movie um, made by a woman who wrote an amazing book that I read called King Kong Theory, and um, she was raped herself when she was younger, and I think it really, the personal element of it, level of it, really comes through in the film. It's very, very strong. And sex is a joyful thing, can be a joyful thing, should be a joyful thing. And I think that it's that combination that is really crippling. Um, and I also think that it's something that most women have experienced on some level. And I think it's something that society has almost, you know, it, it made a norm out of. And because, I mean, I speak as, as a female, my experience of the world, our experience of the world, obviously is, is different from the male. And societally speaking, I think we're not supposed to we're not supposed to react to other people objectifying our bodies or, or using us in a certain way um, as something that we're we're in charge of or, or we can go against. Yeah. And to, to a lot of people that will that will seem like absolute nonsense. But I think I think that there's just there is just an objectification of women in general. Uh -huh. And part of that is our, our is our bodies. And part of that is about uh, suggesting that we don't really have choice mm -hmm. in, 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 you know, when it comes to sex. There's a lot of just very casual talk in the world about, you know, kind of paying for, for dinner and then expecting the person to put out or, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and not just men talk about it that way. Women do too. And um, I think that's just one example of how it's sort of like a norm that the choice is not ours. Mm -hmm. And so rape culture or, or, or casual, you know, sexually abusive encounters um, as if you can say casual but you know what I mean mm -hmm. the most general the most normal it's just happens so so often um, and so I think we're all dealing with trauma about it anyway and so then to have it seen on a screen it's a lot to deal with mm -hmm. that was a very long answer and for me the, the massive part of the, of the fear of Rosemary's baby and why it's so effective is that scene in the phone booth for instance where she's just trying to get some help she does all the right things she tries to speak to people she trusts she tries to get help and no one believes her and everyone uh, does not have her best interests at heart and it's just it's that the kind of the the, cra the horror of people thinking you're crazy as well mm -hmm. you know when you speak up 
Yes, Doctor. Mrs. Woodhouse? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you for calling me. I thought you were in California. No. No. I've, I've been to another doctor. And he, he isn't good, Dr. Hill. He's been lying to me and giving me uh, unusual kinds of drinks and capsules. The baby's due on Tuesday. Remember you told me June 28th? Well, I want you to deliver it. Mrs. Woodhouse. No, please, please let me let me talk to you. Let me come and explain what's been going on. I can't stay too long here. They'll, they'll be coming looking for me. Dr. Hill? Dr. Hill, there's a plot. Yeah, I mean... I- Honestly, you're talking about brutality, and I just, you know, recently, of course, saw Revenge, the new uh, French uh, thriller. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's very brutal. I don't know if I can. Yeah, it is. uh, But it's, uh, uh, you know, written and directed by a female, um, and I feel like the brutality there was uh, really just to be more provocative. You know, it wasn't really necessary, but it kind of added to the Grand Guignol aspect of it, which Mm -hmm. is what that film, I feel, is. It's more of a Grand Guignol uh, revenge thriller Mm -hmm. than necessarily a rape movie. And it was kind of um, Rube Mm Goldberg-esque, how everything kind of fell into place. Very Mm -hmm. pat, but it was fun. You know, it's definitely... I didn't take the movie all that seriously. It's more about sort of the the obstacle course of horror that mm-hmm. she's going through, and yeah. her her hunted prey are also subjected to that. And that's where I think the movie's uh, originality is. It's definitely an homage too to Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. and and also movies like. Um, I spit on your grave because mm-hmm. there is the the female rear end. You know that that sh- that shot that she used in Revenge is very similar to the poster with Camille Keaton. That particular remake felt like um, unnecessary to me, and it was directed by a man too. So that <laughs> is like kind of a rehash yeah. of the same old thing, as far as I was concerned. But yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but I clearly did. Um, yeah, that I didn't see it again, mm-hmm. and that poster put me off. I just mm-hmm. uh, this beautification of you know a woman in distress. I just mm-hmm. running mascara when you're in a, behind a cage or some shit mm-hmm. like that. I just yeah, well, like captivity, you know, it's delicious. Pornographic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's eroticized and it's um, oh, it just feels it feels base and it it doesn't feel nuanced and it doesn't feel smart and. I don't want to watch that movie. And now I could be wrong. It could just be that sometimes the advertising, they push it, you know, the, mm-hmm. the people who want to make the cash back on the film will push it for the, sometimes the lowest denominator of the audience. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just puts me off. You know, I mean, I have I have all the say in the world because at the end of the day, I can choose what role to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I will go back to waitressing if necessary. I, I, I want to do good work and I want to work with people that I respect. Um, of course... I also have to, to, I think, for your own sanity as an actor, you have to recognise that the work that you do in the moment that you're doing it is really the only control unless you're exec producing or something um, that you have. And so, you know, God knows you could do something wonderful and the film could be completely um, uh, mispitched, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as in the sales are concerned. But certainly I've had films come to me where I've thought, oh, this could be really great, but they're maybe missing something here or this may be, you know, maybe they're not recognising that this doesn't need to be around anymore. Or, mm-hmm. like, the, like the opening scene in the shower to mm-hmm. show that the woman is tough and so you show her muscles or her scars or her or that she's putting really, really hot water on because she's, you know, <laughs> really, really cold water on. And it's like, no, dude, it's still a shower scene. Uh-huh. And I don't want the audience, because I have huge respect for, for the audience. And... Um, and a love for them, and that's what you know. What we do it, who we do it for. 
Um, so it's not just on a on a business or or well, I was going to say on moral, but it is. It's it's because the output is going to go out to 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 the audience, and I want them to experience it and and to be respected. Um, so you know you can always lead with that fact, like. You know, do you want your audience to think, oh, we're just being dumbed down at opening of the movie? Could we do it in another way? How can we do it inventively? Da 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 da. Um, I've asked many times for a bitch to be taken out of movies because I think it's lazy and I think it's holding up um, a very old load of bollocks. Um, and unfortunately, if 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 you have bad guys in a film who are maybe just extras or something, they might just put it out there. And I'll be very specific about holding it back. I'm not saying you can never use it, okay. but let's not have every time a woman is about to be killed somebody calls her a bitch first and then kills her you know um so yeah i think that um that i have a lot of say but that's because i choose to and I, and i always tell actors when they talk to this about this stuff with me like it's not that every guy you work with who's in charge of things is a misogynistic asshole mm-hmm. in my experience most of the people i've worked with have not been um but they've not lived the same experience as us and we can bring the benefit of our experience to them and say, hey, what about if she, you showed a bit more of her character or she thought on more levels than one or okay. she was seen, you know. But, you know, in my experience, they appreciate it and they've been grateful for it and we've worked together and things have gotten better. So that's been cool because the writer's the writer at the end of the day. But that's why if I have questions, I'll always come to them first before I accept it so that I know that... Um, we can be open to collaborate, you know, because I wouldn't ever want to stomp in and say, I'm not going to do this. You know, it's got to be a relationship that's built from the beginning. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, as a director, I I have uh, uh, in the past couple of years, I did turn down a script that was kind of rapey to me and it just didn't have any thing else aside from that to it so I mean as hard as it is to turn down work <laughs> in this mm-hmm. business you know you're like oh but but I did and uh, the first two films that I wrote and directed were actually produced by a woman so I was you know definitely in a nurturing atmosphere with those two films. Yeah. Fetish Factory is the the one and then Good Family Times is in post-production right now and that is um, Jennifer Blanc Bean um, and she is very uh, good about giving women their first chance to make a film. She's kind of the female Roger Corman, I guess you could say, you know, low-budget horror right. films, and she, she's really open to um, nurturing talent. For me, it's definitely um, supernatural thrillers of the 70s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's my era, the 70s that I, I love. I mean, I was definitely too young to watch those movies back then, but I'm catching up. You know, I love... Uh, uh, Rosemary's Baby, like we said, that's a 60s film, though. But, you know, The Exorcist, The Omen, uh, Carrie, Uh movies like that. I I really, I just appreciate the sensibilities of that era because it was the era of the auteur, even though there weren't uh, many female directors then. It was a good time for character-driven horror. And that's a good one. And that's another excellent revenge film. It's not, uh, you know, a rape revenge movie, but it's a revenge on bullies. And I think that's something that many people can relate to regardless of gender, age, or era, you know, and it's kind of a a timeless story that's really well told. Yeah, and that's essentially what rapists are, isn't it? So it's Mm -hmm. the same, Mm -hmm. the same vibe. It's it's really funny because I could answer the question exactly as you did. So I'm just, I'll absolutely, Rosemary's Baby, The Shining. I mean, you know, like you say, the, the mm-hmm. days when, the days when, as if there's none now. But, you know, that great character work and, and that really involving horror. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then I can go with the violence and I can go with the gore right. and I can enjoy it mm -hmm. because I'm I'm being respected. And yeah. that's also an era when actors really mattered. Now mm -hmm. it's the more like, oh, what's what's the trend? You know, it doesn't matter yeah. who's in the movie. I'll just go see it because it's this. Whereas you really followed actors then and directors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could you could tell what whether something's going to be good because they were doing mm -hmm. it. You know? True. An excellent, uh, uh, yeah, females against male revenge movie that's one of my favorites and is 9 to 5. Oh, <laughs> yeah. From 1980, <laughs> I believe it was 80. And, well, you know, it's it's just, uh, again, a movie that, you know, anyone who's been oppressed, even uh, in, just in the workplace, you know, we can all relate to. And, and it's kind of a good... Um, can sort of exorcise your feelings with that movie and kind of vicariously be those characters. And that that's one of my favorite revenge films. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the story itself is it can lend itself to any genre. Mm -hmm. I think it just tends to filter out and gravitate to horror because there's so much more um, free reign to then go into violence. So where does the future take this hard-to-watch genre? I mean, hopefully it can go any, any which way it chooses, you know. I mean, there's always going to be the films that everybody gets to see and there's going to be the indie films that are made that, you know, you have to uh, struggle through the internet for if you're, if you're living somewhere that isn't a big city. Um, but, yeah, I think one of the great things about horror is that, is that it has all this capacity for mm -hmm. possibility, you know. Um, I think it's, it's got to grow and stretch and it'll probably take twisted turns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do like the fact that there are more female voices behind the camera telling these stories. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite movies of the past couple of years, it's a revenge film also, is um, The Bad Batch by mm -hmm. Anna Lilia Mirport, which is oh, yeah. extremely violent. It's a sci-fi kind of Mad Max mm -hmm. cannibal <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and her, sh her you know, vision is just as violent as any man's vision, but it's just interesting to see how it plays out differently, whereas the female character takes control of her own vengeance, whereas earlier we were saying oftentimes it's other people, like, mm. you know, in Death Wish, it's, you mm. know, uh, you know, him getting revenge for the rape and murder of his family, and, you know, movies like that were, are irreversible is another one, yeah. where the man gets revenge for what happened to his wife. So it's nice to actually see. Just it's refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's almost a cycle of it. When it's sometimes from the male perspective, it's like, oh yeah, violence is really shitty when it's done to your property. So then you get to mm -hmm. go out and be violent <laughs> to <laughs> right. somebody else. So uh -huh. you know. Um, but funnily, speaking about um, Lily and her her films, um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is mm -hmm. one of my absolute favorite horror films and. And films in, yeah. of all time, you know, and I just love that film. And that's that's a revenge movie, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's kind of just seeking revenge for everyone that's being hurt, really. <laughs> right, yeah. No, or anyone who's I mean, on the fringes or uh -huh. anyone who can't use their voice. Exactly, you know? yeah. And, and it definitely really brings us a wider perspective. I think the female, um, the female gaze <laughs> on yeah. the genre, basically, gives us a lot wider range than mm -hmm. the male which is pretty narrow tunnel vision you know something bad happened I'm going to kill this guy mm -hmm. whereas yeah. we have more nuance I think with women telling these stories and not that that's better or it's just different mm -hmm. and I like that fact that we have those choices now we can choose which what we want to see yeah absolutely that and that title I think is so genius because when I first heard the title it was told to me by a guy who 
as a film company, I think is a bit of a knob. And um, he <laughs> said, um, he said, oh, you've got to see this film. Cold Box Home Alone at Night. And I, I thought, oh, God, that sounds like something. The last thing I want to see. I want to watch a girl throughout the evening walking home and just getting attacked <laughs> everywhere, you know, every step she tries to take. But uh, but I was being unfair to him because, it, it, of course, it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. It's And I just love that flip with the title. And I think when we talk about the future of these films, I wonder if it won't just get more and more interesting mm-hmm. and more and more um, singularly experiential speaking to us all generally about, you know, moments we've had, small or large, in, in this regard that have made us feel that way. Um, because I think once you've sort of got the classic, what's the classic female revenge movie made by women or, you know, with where the woman is in charge and then you could make a film look like it's going that way and then take it a completely different way because, mm-hmm. of course, everything has to have... Yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to see, say, a remake of Ms. 45, which I think is sort of the ultimate female revenge movie directed by Abel Ferrara, which mm-hmm. is incredibly violent. And it's a great movie. I really like it. But it would be interesting to kind of see, like, you know, wh- where a female voice might take that same type of story. This poor woman's had a terrible day. <laughs> She's not only a mute and, uh, you know, a, a drone working as a seamstress, I believe. She gets raped twice in one day. Um, unrelated, you know, I was like, and then she just kind of goes off and, and gets revenge. But but it's, uh, you know, one of those, again, a gritty 1970s film that I'm, I gravitate to regardless of the subject matter. Oh, I have to see that. I haven't seen mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, That's it's good. good. Well, I think female horror fans are certainly more embraced nowadays with social media and whatnot. I mean, definitely we can come out and say we love horror movies, but a lot of women d- say they don't like horror, but then they watch the Lifetime channel, which is all women and Carol <laughs> movies, you know, and that's, you know, right? Yeah. So they may n- not consider themselves a horror fan, but they still <laughs> like that same uh, thrill of watching a- oh, another woman in danger and maybe getting revenge, you know, those kind of uh crime they call it a crime drama but it's really yeah, <laughs> you know right? pretty yeah. horrific and, uh, i know i know yeah. a lot of women who watch you know csi and mm-hmm. ncssiii or whatever it's called you know <laughs> all the different versions of these things uh-huh. um, and love true crime and love um books and you know and, and a lot of those tv shows and i can't watch that stuff uh-huh. you know so i think again it's it's that it's that how do you label yourself mm-hmm. you know like i have great friends who i just discovered only from sitting at dinner with two of them together that had met before that they both had been huge fans of corn when they were growing up. Mm. I had no idea. I think it's just like maybe there's this element, societal element, that guys are more comfortable sort of saying, I'm a horror guy, because that's what's been accepted, like you said. Um, I think the male audience, if we want to put it into two camps, are being served out there. Certainly they're being told these movies are for them. Um, and women have not been so much. But I think Shudder's a place where you can trust it because it, mm-hmm. it, it they're consistent and it's got an artist's eye over it and it's exactly. saying, yeah, you know, curated we're going to curate, mm-hmm. yeah, great horror movies. So you're going to, you've got a better chance of watching something nuanced and something cool and something that's worth your time. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think Shudder's a great thing for that reason. And um, historically they say, I read this brilliant piece about romantic comedies in... in LA Weekly back when that really existed on paper but it was saying that statistically one of the things that they were researching was that women are more likely to be taken to a film that they maybe wouldn't have chosen themselves and go sure I'll go see this than men are mm-hmm. to go along with women to see a film that they wouldn't statistically normally choose so f- for instance a romantic comedy that isn't suggested for the male audience so much they would not want to go along with their female friend or 
partner. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas women, because we presumably because we're more used to falling into what's around because, you know, things aren't made for us quite so much. The world isn't designed for us. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the women will, however, go and see the film that the guy wants to see, even if it's not sort of suggested that it's for them. Yeah. I, Which is why the numbers are so, where they say, oh, there aren't that many women right. to watch movies. Cause, yeah, well, because we're all watching the stuff that's not made for us. Right. I always say when, you know, when you get, when we talk about this stuff, it, it's hard to speak about it as if without seeming that we're saying, you know, men are just kind of asshole. <laughs> and we're, you know, much smarter <laughs> and more <laughs> better. But the fact is that for me, I don't feel that the way society has been set up in general serves anybody. Mm-hmm. And I don't sure. think it serves the men. And I think that, that this whole rape revenge thing um, on the subject of that, it's like it's like men have been told by this society that they have control over things and that they have to be strong mm-hmm. and and they have to resort to violence if necessary and that there's something that they should delight in. They're raised with that, um, that they should gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. And so many men don't don't that, fit in that category mm-hmm. and don't feel comfortable with it and they still have to live in this world. And even the men who display some of that stuff are not have not been served either, and have, uh, some of it's brought them to that place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is because real life for men isn't what is they are told it should be. I.e., they're not in control, and they are afraid. And violence is not a fun thing to imagine happening to them or for them to have to meet her out. Um, in the movie world, I think they get to in some cases they get to sit and watch that and feel that empowerment of being you know of 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 feeling what they were told that they was their situation mm-hmm. so a guy going after another guy and you know beating the shit out of him because he raped his girlfriend is empowering for men in some way in a way that they don't really dare I say it get to have in the real world I'm not mm-hmm. saying men should be able to go out and do that right. but you know what I'm saying yeah. like we, just as we are told lies about ourselves mm-hmm. and, and how we should be experiencing the world men are told lies as well and I think that oh we could just all do with kind of Mm-hmm. Um, having the Department of Masculinity closed down and let men choose their own version of themselves just as women should be allowed to. One of the um, things that's very interesting was that one of the questions was about um, men being the victims of sexual assault in some of these films. And it's almost always men raping other men. Things that we haven't really talked about too much is men getting raped. And when people think of that they think oh deliverance or a prison movie um, a man raping another man um, Pulp Fiction was another film that we talked about um, with that um, and just kind of to segue for a second here to veer off is that Quentin Tarantino also made an excellent uh, woman revenge film uh, Kill Bill <laughs> so oh, it's yeah. not that you know men can't tell these stories they certainly can um, but I mean there are other films like um, um, Sallow the uh, you know Pasolini's Sallow which is uh, 120 Days of Sodom which is girls and boys being violated and it's an incredibly gritty it's not bracketed in any kind of uh, genre uh, like horror or fantasy or sci-fi it's just pretty brutal um, something that I don't really care to watch Um, but uh, you know another question that I had was that not many people talk about men being raped by women in film it's almost always the male is the perpetrator 
Um, so, I mean, there is like a movie like Disclosure. I mean, how, you know, how much of that is rape? How much of that is, you know, I mean, I, I feel like it is. And there's another scene in, in, in Swordfish with Hugh Jackman where he's, you know, unwillingly, you know, mm-hmm. held down and uh, basically given oral sex that he doesn't necessarily want. So, I mean, that one's really one of the last taboos, really, mm-hmm. I think, feel like that's the least thing that we'll see in a film is a man getting sexually assaulted and then like I said if it's a woman then it's kind of like oh it's not that bad but maybe it is I don't feel I don't right. know I mean I'm not a man but I would think you know yeah I think that you know from speak since the me too movement I've spoken a lot more about this stuff with friends and and it's really interesting to me my best friend is gay and married to uh, another friend of mine and talking to both of them they were like yeah it's really it was really normal you know, for us to get abused from guys and to not be able to talk about it because we already had this shame mm-hmm. of being gay in a society that didn't accept it. And um, and it just broke my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not dissimilar to female experience, of course, but um, just the idea that there's a, there's a... I mean, any man who's sexually abused, any woman who's sexually abused, of course, but just this idea that there's this whole section of society that it was sort of normalized for as well mm-hmm. and they, they couldn't speak up about it and presumably that was something that abusers relied upon because they already had this... Absolutely. You I mean, know, sure. this... this well, the, yeah. You know, the whole Catholic Church... Um, you oh, know, God, yes. It's and like, that, that's Jesus, another thing. That's, that's not a horror that, movie. But <laughs> well, it's a horror movie I just made, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I, the Darling... Oh, gosh, I, really? ...is coming out next year. It's got a lot of oh. that going on and I mean oh. it's not uh-huh. it's not particularly um, uh, visceral in, in as far as the violence is concerned in that department um, i.e. It's, it's watchable for, for oh, those okay. who might yeah. have been through something similar but um, but yeah definitely oh, all right. that well, that's, subject yeah. matter yeah. well that's good I mean that's another thing is horror is so topical that it kind of lets people examine things that they otherwise wouldn't want to see uh, you know like a documentary on that or something but if it's presented to them in a horror film then they can sympathize in a different way and yeah I think it's definitely opens doors the genre has opened a lot of doors for uh, topical things from politics to the Catholic Church like you say in your upcoming film which is yeah and you wrote that too yeah it's the first feature that has been made that I wrote and directed. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I made a, a short before called Perfect, which is a dark comedy. And I mean, this one has wit in it, but it's very much a horror movie. It's sort of a gothic fairy tale feel. And um, it's a sequel to The Woman. So it, it takes place 10 years later and concerns the young girl, darling, the redhead at the end of the last one. Mm. And of course, the woman's in it. So mm. I did that. <laughs> did a lot of directing and awesome. direct makeup and a big wig. It's a good question as to you know, more. where do you draw the line and, and why isn't this shown more? Mm-hmm. I think it's a very difficult thing for, you know, producers to imagine that a male audience wants to see, which is what they're mostly thinking about when they're making films and deciding what should be made. And I think that just as, um, you know, people think, oh, nobody wants to watch a movie about mental health, you know, that doesn't affect people, that doesn't happen, we just push that under the carpet, you know, get get rid of that. Um, that's just too too difficult to watch, you know, and it's like, well, everybody's affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it would be so great if more films were talked about that because what an awful thing that you just, you're not supposed to talk about it, like it's mm-hmm. your own shame, like you could have avoided it, you know, all the things that, that are thrown at women as well, but I think it's just, it's again even more taboo for men and and also even more joked about and mm-hmm. made light of and as True. if it's nothing you know i mean the 
the rape in jail jokes that come up just make me so furious, mm-hmm. especially having worked in that system and volunteered working with with guys incarcerated. It's just like, oh, don't even get me started. But it's mm-hmm. like they're our responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. not to be joking about oh, yeah, once I mean, you've been a bad guy, you're yeah. just tough shit, you know, you're going, <laughs> right. going to get raped. Ha ha. Yeah. Does this subgenre need to change? The genre in that sense, like we talked about women t- telling these stories now, which is the change that we need, but but it really is always an exercise in trying to make sense of the senseless and that fundamental bedrock of the genre is never going to change because, you know, rape is bad, kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, obviously, that's not going to change. So that is, you know, when you're coming from that point of view, there's not going to be, I think, a lot of change in the genre in that regard, except for who's telling the story, which is the most important change of all. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, society will change and things will develop and grow and there'll be other things to talk about. Um, I don't mean like, I don't expect rape to completely go away. No. But, you know, I think maybe there'll just be more uncovering of the sources of these things. Because on the subject of rape, it's like, it really confuses me how still we're just starting to hear more from you know, those who've been through it. But where are the men that have done it? Mm-hmm. We need to talk to them too. Mm-hmm. They need to talk. Um, because if the numbers are so high of instance and of women that, you know, one in five, they say, um, in this country anyway, um, then that means one in five men must be doing the raping mm-hmm. unless they're getting around a hell of a lot of people. A long tradition in history, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the Vikings mm-hmm. raping and pillaging. I mean, that's just like, yeah. that is what it was all about for so many centuries up to, you know, war crimes now. I mean, it's it's a conquest, really. Mm-hmm. It's not about uh, sex. It's about planting your seed into the this area that you've conquered, basically, yeah. you know. I mean, and that's, that's the, like, the deeper, power, mm-hmm, you know? deeper connotation of it. But and Taking it away from somebody But, you else. know, I don't mind a horror movie that's just a simple rape revenge, <laughs> you know, like 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 revenge, this new one. Um, Coralie, I forget her last name, and I, it's French, but <laughs> you mm-hmm. can all look it up. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I mean, I think that's a good one that is, it, it, it builds on the the tropes uh-huh. and then takes them to another level and it's a great like I said Grand Guignol uh, adventure from me it's the it's the edge it can have you know and the the possibility that you were saying before about you know it deals with now and the political and the hot button issues and and um, and deep emotions and deep fears and and the humor as well that can mm-hmm. be in it you know yeah. and 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 because. Because good horror movies are made with the whole genre, and it's just such a beloved genre. You know, you can also get those callbacks and those tropes and the twists mm-hmm. on the tropes. And so it's like, it's a very insider's enjoyment, you mm-hmm. know, um, that you can get from it. And and it's not easy to play in a horror movie. So there are some brilliant performances as well, mm-hmm. you know, to enjoy. That's so, true, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just getting... Getting in there and getting crazy and getting weird can be really fun, too. Huh. Uh, oh, for me, it's, you know, about stylist uh, filmmaking. I love Brian De Palma. He's one of my favorites. Dario Argento is another mm, one. Me Just too. Uh, the, the beauty in the horror. And we were talking earlier about how, you know, uh, I Spit on Your Grave remake really didn't do anything different, but the Maniac remake... Mm. 
um, with Elijah Wood. Mm. I mean, just beautifully shot, gorgeous, you know, exteriors in downtown L.A. And just the murders were very, like, orchestrated. And um, it was a really well-made, artistic very gory horror film. So those are the kind of things that I, I like, just for, uh, the, the visuals of it. Mm. Yeah, Argento is, like you say, a great example of mm-hmm. that. I'm excited to see the new Suspiria. I would have been suspicious of a Suspiria remake, considering, you know, my love for the first one. And yeah, I mean, Barbara Magnolfi herself was just texting me yesterday saying, come and watch it, it's really great. And I saw the trailer and I was like, damn. Well, thanks for having me and always good to see you, Pollyanna. And I look forward to seeing you grow as a writer-director. Thank you so much. Yeah, we should should get together and talk about that. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of your suggestions. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure and uh, look forward to the next time. Thank you, Pollyanna and Stacy, for tackling this difficult subject with us. I'd also like to thank the actresses in this genre. Because as hard as these films are to watch, Filming these scenes is even harder. On set, we all work together as a family. So when it comes time to shoot realistic brutalization, delving into and exposing such raw emotions publicly is challenging and painful. So thanks to all the actresses brave enough to tackle this difficult work. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, and this has been She Kills, a Shudder original podcast, executive produced by Blair Bercy, Killian Van Rensler, Jordana Freyberg, and Deborah Henderson, hosted by Adrienne Barbeau, associate produced by Nancy Himmel, supervising producer Cara Frias, featuring interviews with Pollyanna McIntosh and Stacey Lane Wilson, sound recording, design, and mixing by Iceman Audio. Production sound mixing and re-recording mixing by Evan Menick. Supervising sound editing and re-recording mixing by Michael Capuano. Composed by Doug Bossy. Music by I Spy Music. Production manager, Kay Tinder. Production legal, Jordan Rock. Production accounting, Stephen D. Smith. For Shudder, Owen Shiflett, Robin Jones, and Nicholas Lazo. She Kills. The characters and events depicted in this podcast are fictional. Any similarity to any actual person living or dead, or to any actual events, firms, places, and institutions or other entities, is coincidental and unintentional. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries, and its unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution. Country of first publication, United States of America. She Kills. Copyright 2018. Digital Store, LLC. All rights reserved.